Hello and welcome to FuturePod. I'm Peter Hayward. The COVID-19 pandemic is rolling around the world, extinguishing expected futures and opening up the possibilities of different ones. At FuturePod, we have decided to speak to our previous guests and ask them what this moment in time means for them and, more importantly, to all of us. If you would like to know more about the guests we speak to, then please check out their earlier interview on the website futurepod.org. Today, our guest is Rob Rowe. Welcome back to FuturePod, Rob. Thanks, Peter. So where in the world are you, Rob, and what's going on around you? Well, thanks for the opportunity, Peter and FuturePod. I'm in Melbourne, Victoria, at home, working like most of us. I work for a uh, software company based, headquartered out of Atlanta and the United Kingdom, and I'm the managing director across Asia Pacific. So I have people in Hong Kong, uh, in Bangkok, and here in Melbourne, and I'm talking to the different Asian countries over there as we work with them, with customers, partners, etc., which gives you a, uh, a very good insight. And in fact, uh, the person in Hong Kong, I look for you know, what's going on in the greater China world. One of my guys actually studied at Wuhan University, where, wow. his, um, where his parents-in-law are from. So we get updates from him and advice from his relatives on how to weather this storm. So it's an interesting uh, viewpoint, I think. Yeah. And so what is it you want to share with the community? So I think um, thanks for this opportunity. I've been thinking about this and, and all of us will be thinking about, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean to the world? Um, what will we look like on the other side, et cetera? And, and what I thought about were three questions. And it's kind of not the questions you might think about, some maybe, but the first question is, so what would a world a future world of reduced carbons emissions look like? And I'll come back to that. The next one is what is great? And the third question is what will the next generation of world leaders learn from this episode that we're going through? Right. If, if I go back to the first question, one of the challenges of being a futurist is there's many futures and you put out hypotheses about what the future may look like. And we try to get people to act on that uh, to make sure we're creating a future we want to see as opposed to the future that just happens to us because we don't do anything. And the biggest challenge is, of course, whether people believe you or not, right? <laughs> and I actually think we got this amazing opportunity right now, not that we selected, but could you imagine, could you imagine going to all the world leaders and say, hey, we want to run a test here, a bit of an experiment. <laughs> yep. Hey, how about we just reduce all the um, carbon emissions in the world by 50% or whatever number, right? And well, how are you going to do that? Well, let's shut down all the economy, all the factories, all the, we're going to get people off the roads. It's, and of course, it's never going to happen. But along comes COVID-19 and makes that happen for us. And it happens, yeah. So I've been thinking about this in terms of the framework of Sahal Inatala's causal layered analysis, where you have events, events become patterns. Patterns are, in, are driven by structures or systems at that third layer. 
And why are the structures and systems that we do is because of our build, is because of our beliefs and our values, etc. So what we've got here is a dislocation of, a, of structures and systems that no one intended. But we've got this fantastic experiment of saying, well, what would the world look like? And, you know, you, you don't know what to believe on the internet anymore, but we're being shown that from India, you can see the Himalayas. We've been shown the reduced uh, carbon emissions across China as factories sh shut down. I can imagine the air quality in LA being lifted, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to see lots and lots of studies built on this. I saw the other night where seismologists are saying the Earth's not shaking as much. Wow. And they can wow. actually get into, read more finer grade, you know, uh, movements of the earth than they could before. So we could never have made this happen. There's no Paris Accord, no any accord that could make this happen, right, except it has. It has. It is interesting too, Rob, because, I mean, for some people, if you said, right, what does a, what does a low-carbon world look like? What would the world, how would the world be if we in the 21st century tried to work within our carbon budget? Some people might immediately collapse us to Mad Max, you know, living in caves, you know, people sort of running around starving and that kind of thing. And that hasn't happened. We still live a fairly orderly life, even though carbon emissions have been halved by, as you say, 50%. No planes flying, no boats sailing, no global trade, but the lights are still on to some extent. And we have toilet paper. Yeah, some, some toilet paper. <laughs> now, exactly. So I just think that, you know, because as a futurist, you can bang your head against a brick wall saying, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. And, of course, no one really buys into that because they want to see the patterns first. And, of course, as we're learning, if you wait for the patterns, it's too late, mm. right? And so I think, number one, this is a great worldwide experiment and we definitely will be seeing lots and lots of reports and work out of this but then we take that lesson and we go into my second question, which is what is great? And I'll put out there right now that I'm not a fan of the current White House administration, but I get asked about you know, making America great again or the world great again. And I say, well, what is great? And a lot of people look to the, to the economic factors, right? Look at, the, look at the stock market, look at my share price, et cetera. And I always go, is that great? Um, let's have a look at health systems. Let's have a look at quality of life. Let's have a look at the fact that life expectancy in the US is either plateaued or declining, mm. caused by things like opiate abuse and, and other things. And, of course, this will now have an impact on it. But let's have a look at what is great. And, and we saw the New Zealand government do their wellness budget. So... There's going to be another interesting test around what is great around leadership when it comes to this question of opening up the economy. Mm. And the question here is lives versus money. Yeah. And, and it's a bit to your Mad Max point as well. Well, we need to open up the economy or else we'll end up in Mad Max. Well, will we? And so when we look at today's generation of leaders, what are they going to put first? And I think 
again, we're going to see a lot of a lot of case studies and academic reports and all that sort of stuff about what different countries do, what have they done in terms of putting money before people, and the whole moral dilemma around that. And so, you know, when I look at things like, you know, healthcare in the US, one of the issues is people didn't have healthcare, so they wouldn't front up to hospital to get tested. And if you look at the infection rates in the US per capita, they're six times what it is here in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, this opening up because we've got to get the country working again, we can't make the cure worse than the curse. Well, we've got to look at this broader dimension of what is great. You would also realise, of course, that the death rate in America is disproportionately falling on the uh, African-American and Latino populations. Yes, and like anything, we've got to be careful about cause and effect, right? But what I've been seeing or hearing is and reading is that, you know, one, they're the poorer population. Two, they have some more issues uh, around things like type 2 diabetes because of diet. What about access to health care? What about all the undocumented, I thought about this the other week, the undocumented immigrants about mm. wanting to front up to get tested and then, you know, maybe get deported at the same time. Um, yeah. So I think that'll be, it'll be some interesting work done in that space. I think of the Freakonomics guys that talk about the, the drop in crime in places like New York because of the, zero tolerance that came in or was it because of Roe versus Wade where the unwanted births went down kind of stuff. um, That wouldn't be a great topic to bring up with the current administration over there in the US. We're seeing the the imbalances in the world, you know, the point you raise there. And again, what is great? And is it great for the whole community versus great for some versus others? You know, I personally experienced uh, the U.S. health system where I managed to break my ankle in three places playing soccer. And I had a fantastic experience, but I had a good paying job. They covered all my health care. I was in a good area in the world. And, you know, I was well and truly looked after and it didn't cost me much at all. But I would hate to be there without insurance in not the right facilities, et cetera, et cetera. So this this notion of what is great, and I'm thinking if I go to causal layered analysis, the first one was a structural experiment. The second question is now dropping down into beliefs and values. And if great is just having money, or well, maybe now with the deaths and everything else, people will be re, uh, re-looking at that. And then my third question was around what will the next generation of world leaders learn from all of this? So we've seen generations be formed by things they've gone through. So the First and Second World Wars, the Great Depression, and then we had the baby boomers, which I, I fall into. And, you know, I think that this generation of leaders right now that we've got in the world is a bit, is a bit, uh, mixed and, and lost. So I look forward to the next generation coming up. And what I'm very hopeful for is that the lessons I'll learn out of this will be 
being able to step back and look at those earlier two questions, which is what is great? Is it just about money? No, it's about us as a, as a lifestyle, wellness, health, friends, family, etc. It's not just about how much money we have in the bank or our stock, for, stock portfolio. And maybe we'll get some more movement on the carbon emission front, on the climate change front than we're seeing today. Um, so I am I'm hopeful that the next generation coming through will actually have some concrete examples to actually put forward as opposed to Greta Thunberg um, making her speeches but no one really listening that needs to listen all the rest of the world that are on trying to push this agenda through. And it kind of comes back to my first point where when you're a futurist and you want to, you know, put forward, hey, there are different futures we could go for. And if we actually just do some actions around that, um, we could actually create the future we want. And now we're seeing here's an example of potentially the future we want. So there... They're the sort of things I've been thinking about as we go about our daily lives in a different way here. Just trying to work out where this is, where we'll come out the other end. So, what are you seeing? I mean, what are you? I mean, obviously you are both. Obviously you are hopeful, but I would imagine also you are also looking for things, or you are trying to sense emerging things. Exactly what are you paying attention to? Because I imagine this is not a passive low level of hope. You're actually thinking, no, I actually need to see certain things or we need to actually create certain things. I mean, what are those for you? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at examples of leadership. I'm looking at what different people in the world are doing, what different companies are doing. Are they making statements, Visa, Siemens have made statements that no one will get laid off in 2020. Are they doing that because they mean it or is this another form of greenwash, COVID wash, if you like? I've also reflected on, so I'm a leader across Asia Pacific and I had to make the decision on shutting our offices down here before our head office did and I actually struggled with that decision, which is what people, you know, as leadership, it is hard. What tipped it for me was on a Sunday, a week before the Australian government sh uh, announced their shutdown, I had one of my people ring me up and said, Rob, I think this is getting pretty serious. I've just been talking to a medical friend of mine, et cetera, et cetera. And I thanked him for that and then thought about it. And I thought, well, what am I waiting for? Mm. And, I, and I realized I'm waiting for one of us to get sick. So why would you wait for one of you to get sick? So, you know, <laughs> I'm turning it back on myself, right? So that afternoon I sent out an email to everyone and, and messages and said, um, don't come in tomorrow. We're going to be working from home. And away we went. A week later, head office made the same decision as the Australian government, et cetera, et cetera. But what am I looking for? Signs of leadership. What am I looking for? Signs of change. I'm looking at also change of global structure change. So 
Um, we joked about toilet paper earlier, but in the last week, I've actually given two lectures into a university here. And because it's all online and how do you get people interactive, I actually created a way to do the prisoner's dilemma game online. And do I compete or do I collaborate? What was interesting is at the start, they were all you know, competing, not all, but most. And then I talked about what's our group mission. And I got them all to vote on a group mission. And I did this a couple of times and about 60% voted on collaborate. And that was probably where the results were. I had eight teams running at once. And then I showed them where do we see competing versus collaborating and, of course, toilet paper, supermarkets, etc. So we went through that. And then I said, well, let's look to the US. And what we're seeing in there is lack of leadership. So all the states are competing. And the governor of New York's talking about it's like everyone's on eBay trying to buy personal protective equipment, trying to buy uh, ventilators, etc. And then I said, by the way, it's going to the globe because the US is now saying to their to 3M, why are you shipping that to Germany? Mm. There was a case where masks were supposed to go to Germany, got diverted in Thailand to the US. And so we're seeing what was in this class as an exercise, Prisoner's Dilemma, play out on the global stage. So US is either the world's police or or Big Brother to help us out is kind of fading away. And I'm watching to see all of these other dislocations out there across the different countries and how, how country leaders, how company leaders are playing out there because my hope is for the next generation. And, you know, I think six months' time, whatever it's going to be, the current leaders will rush back into the way they are now. They'll worry about their re-election. They'll worry about their opinion polls. They'll worry about their stock markets. But I think it's the next generation coming through whose beliefs and values I'm hoping is going to have changed to enough extent to say this is what's important and there's enough of the masses to vote for that as well, which is the other key thing here. Yes, yes we we obviously holding elections within crises like this are a fascinating example of the kind of leadership that people think will make them safer. Yes. We've got to define what safer is again, mm. re-evaluate that. You know, I've thought about Maslow's hierarchy. You know, safer is maybe having money. We've got to get out of that. Safer's got to be back to... I've got good health care, I've got good education across the world, not just, I mean, you raised the point about different communities being affected. This is not a single country issue. So I am watching Africa, watching um, South America, etc., watching across some parts of Asia. So it's, you know, safe is a very good question. Mm. Yes, at one level, our climate conversation, that climate is not located in a particular place, but climate is everywhere. And this virus is in some ways another one of those globalisms that can't be constrained to just be an issue in one place. If we, um, if we ever want a lesson on the fact that 
we can't isolate ourselves in one country. We, we just got it, I think, and that we belong to the globe, or even though that, I mean, we have shut down borders and we've done all that sort of stuff, but this is a global thing that we need to attack on that level. All right, Rob, look, great to talk again. Thanks for taking some time out to talk to the, the FuturePod community. Stay safe and uh, keep leading the way you want others to lead. Thank you for that. Thanks for the opportunity and please everyone stay safe out there. See you on the other side.